Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I'm so glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, if you follow the program, you know that I spent a week recently in Nashville at the Cattle Industry Convention. And one of the biggest pieces of news coming out of that convention was the market outlook from Cattle Facts. It was a great one. We're going to see some really good cattle prices coming up here over the next couple of years. We have record high beef demand and we have cattle numbers that are decreasing. So that is going to translate into some really good prices. We'll check in with one of Cattle Facts's market analysts coming up to kick off today's show. Plus, this is turning out to be a really good year for Texas peanut growers. We'll check on that story coming up as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Classroom instruction has begun at the new Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo but there's a little more construction work to be done. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The late grain sorghum harvest in the Rio Grande Valley has cut into the price that producers receive for their commodity. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The next few years should be some profitable ones for Texas cattle producers. That was the message from Cattle Facts at the recent cattle industry convention in Nashville. Cattle Facts CEO Randy Block says cattle numbers are coming down, and that will mean some very good prices over the next few years. Well, you know, there is some good news. Uh, it's a little long overdue. We've gone through so many headwinds, so many little roadblocks that we've had to move through with drought and this harvest capacity shackle space or lack thereof that we've had to go through not having enough worker you know all of these things that every aspect of our economy is going through they've had some tremendous impacts on on our industry and we can see some daylight and uh, see some better times ahead and better prices better profitability i think as you look at our industry our peak numbers were a couple of years ago, and our peak production is actually this year because of COVID. Our largest numbers would have been in 2020, and that was pushed back a year. So 2021 ended up being our biggest numbers, and numbers are going to shrink over the next four years. So as supply drops with demand at a 33-year high, prices are going to go up. And... Again, depending on how tight those numbers get uh, over the next few years will dictate how high prices get. But we, we see a very strong move in prices. Calf prices getting back in here and at least back to two and a quarter and those levels maybe higher, maybe 230, maybe as high as 240. Who knows? But uh, finally back to some profitable numbers. Block says the industry should be very proud of the current 33-year high in beef demand. He says that's a result of listening to consumers and producing the high-quality product they demand. 
This is looking like a great year for Texas peanut growers. Jessica Domel explains. If Mother Nature continues to cooperate, Texas farmers could see a bumper crop of peanuts this year. Dr. Emmy Kamora, a peanut specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says despite delays due to a wet planting season, farmers are expecting above-average yields this year thanks to excellent moisture. The wet weather not only caused planting delays, Dr. Kamora said it's also put the crop about two weeks behind schedule. In some areas, like Central Texas, the wet weather caused farmers to miss the planting window because they couldn't access their fields when needed. Those areas where farmers were able to plant are expecting good yields, provided they can receive the sun and heat the peanuts need to mature. The biggest threat peanut farmers face right now, according to AgriLife, would be an early freeze. An estimated 178,000 acres of peanuts were planted in Texas this year. That's down from 190,000 acres last year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cotton harvest is well underway in South Texas, and the rest of the Texas crop is looking good. Adam Hickson, BASF Technical Services representative, is based in Lubbock. He says the biggest challenge for the crop in his area is the lack of heat units. I would say we're catching up, but we're still a little bit behind. Um, planting dates have been, I would say, all over the board. Um, uh, some areas were able to get in there in a timely manner, um, but then others had uh, weather issues, um, you know, whatever uh, it may be. Um, rain was a culprit, uh, hail um, in some cases, and so they were having to make uh, multiple plants things uh, maybe not as bad as uh, in years past um, but definitely delayed and then the cooler uh, conditions throughout this summer uh, it's just been cooler than I would say average uh, for across the state of Texas and that's uh, led us not to have as many heat unit accumulation and therefore um, maybe this crop it looks good from the road um, but it's a little bit slower and a little bit uh, behind. I was actually in a field just north of Lubbock yesterday, and uh, it looks really good. It's set in bowls, um, but, man, it really needs some heat on it, uh, you know, 90 to 100-degree days here, uh, especially on our irrigated crop, is really going to help out and speed this process along. A nice open September uh, will be really good and provide us with some really good yields, I feel like. Hickson says his best advice this year is to be patient with this late crop and let the upper bowls mature before using harvest aids. Classes are underway at the new Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo, but James Hunt tells us there's still some more construction to be done. At the new Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo, classroom instruction has begun. But the school's dean, Guy Lonerigan, says the school's west wing, which is where the lab space will be located, is not yet complete. The scheduled time for completion is early October. That is ahead of schedule from the original plan. And once we move into that, then we have fully occupied all of our facilities. Obviously, with 260,000 square feet of state-of-the-art laboratory teaching space, office space, and all of the complexities that come with that, We'll be working on fine-tuning those spaces over the next six months to 12 months with the contractor, but 
They're a fantastic partner to work with. That contractor is Western Builders of Amarillo. Dr. Lana Reagan says when the laboratory wing is complete, the second floor will provide the space and equipment needed for faculty research projects. The first floor will be for student instruction in subject areas like anatomy and physiology and essential job skills. We have been working very closely with practitioners all across Texas, and they are very adamant that we needed to really design our curriculum to focus in on those clinical skills, the doing skills, for instance, like how to effectively take a blood sample, how to do surgery, how to do suture patterns, as well as the communication skills. So we have a lot of space in that teaching laboratory aspect for the students to learn those skills. In fact, we have more square feet dedicated to the doing and communication skills than any other program in the U.S. and likely any other program in the world. The inaugural class of students at the Texas Tech Vet School consists of 64 students from all across the state. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas grain sorghum harvest is running behind schedule this year. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the numbers. As of the middle of August, only 42% of the Texas sorghum crop has been harvested. That's down from 54% at this same time last year. Many of the delays were due to the February freeze and ample rainfall in the spring. The Rio Grande Valley is no exception, as grain sorghum producer Bryce Wildey explains. That's right, yeah. We had tremendous amount of rain come right there in the middle of sorghum harvest. We started harvesting June 1st, and then late June when things really started heating up, and we got about 10 inches of rain, really flooded the valley. So we had to start mudding stuff out, get tracks on there, really had a hard finishing to our sorghum harvest. A lot of people still haven't gotten their entire crop out. Usually late grain doesn't do particularly well down here in the valley, just for a number of reasons, but because it was so cool, we actually have, have good potential for a late sorghum crop. Now, I heard, uh, Bryce, that uh, some of the grain sorghum down there in the valley actually turned uh, different colors because of uh, all the flooding and, and water that it was standing in for quite some time? That was an issue with the 10 inches of rain. We don't have very good drainage down here in the valley. We couldn't get in, in some of these fields for weeks on end, so that sprouted. That We had about four days of just constant moisture in the air, moisture on the ground, no sunlight, no wind. That's a perfect environment for sprouting to occur, mold to set in. And so you could see that when we would harvest afterwards. We're able to finally get back into those fields. You could just see the color difference in the tank and then the hoppers. A lot of our crop goes into Mexico, and they are really concerned with color. They just love to see red milo. So that really kind of hurt the price, getting huge discounts. We're talking 30 to 40% discounts in some instances. That's Texas Rio Grande Valley green sorghum farmer Bryce Wildey. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. FWS has named 1,300 acres in Texas as critical habitat for a threatened species. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And dehydration is a leading cause of death in baby calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. 
Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Dehydration is one of the leading causes of death in baby calves. And Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells us that heat stress is one of the leading causes of dehydration. Baby calves frequently dehydrate due to scours, but this time of year the heat can cause dehydration even without diarrhea. Calves attempt to maintain their body temperature around 101 to 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit, and when this outside temperature rises, they require up to 30% more energy to keep their bodies cool, according to Dr. Jennifer Bentley from Iowa State. She mentions at Bovine Vet Online that all metabolic processes are fueled by water, and a lack of water results in reduced activity, faster respiratory rate, open mouth panting, and reduced feed intake. These symptoms may make you think that the calf has a respiratory disease when actually the calf is dehydrated. To determine levels of dehydration and therefore determine treatment, Penn State University indicates that calves still suckling with only diarrhea are usually 5 to 6 percent dehydrated and can be treated with an oral electrolyte solution. A 100-pound calf that is 6 percent dehydrated will require about 3 quarts of electrolyte solution orally per day in addition to milk and not in place of the milk. Calves must have milk as it is the best source of energy, but also need cool, free-charged water, cool bedding, fly control, and shade. It is also possible to offer free-choice electrolyte solutions during periods of extreme heat. If a calf has mild depression and has tinted skin at the neck that takes two to six seconds to flatten and has sunken eyes, dehydration is likely 8%. In most calves, 8% dehydrated or more will usually require some intravenous fluids to survive. Calves dehydrated over 10% will usually not stand, so any calf that is down and will not stand likely needs IV fluids as part of the treatment. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Fish and Wildlife Service has named 1,300 acres here in Texas as critical habitat for a threatened species. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service this week published a notice designating 1,315 acres in central Texas as critical habitat for the threatened Georgetown and Salado salamanders. Both species of the salamander were named threatened under the Endangered Species Act in 2014 due to changes in water flow and quality and a disturbance of spring sites. The salamanders are only found in springs and caves fed by the northern segment of the Edwards Aquifer. Adam Zarenner, FWS's Austin Field Office Supervisor, said identifying and protecting areas essential to their survival is an important step in their recovery process. He said the service will continue to work with local, state, and federal partners and private landowners to address threats to the salamanders in the San Gabriel and Salado Creek watersheds. The current known range of the Georgetown salamander is south and east of Lake Georgetown in Williamson County in central Texas. The Salado salamander is found north of Lake Georgetown in the Salado Creek watershed. FWS's original proposal would have listed an additional 204 acres in Bell County as critical habitat, but after the original comment period, those acres were removed as they are already covered under an 
existing conservation easement. Federal agencies that plan to undertake fund or permit activities in the critical habitat must first consult with FWS. Fish and Wildlife says designation of the habitat will not affect land ownership, establish a refuge, and has no impact on private landowners taking actions on their land that does not require federal funding or permits. The designation becomes effective September 17th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. So how did the markets wrap up the week on Friday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Strong demand for U.S. beef and an anticipated smaller cow herd due to drought out in the western part of the United States gave some support to cattle prices on Friday. August live cattle up 87 cents to 124.27. October live cattle up 90 cents to 129.05. December live cattle up 55 cents to 134.52. Losses in the corn market Friday also provided some support to the feeder cattle prices. August feeder cattle up 75 cents to 159.02. September feeder cattle up $2.60 to 165.50. October feeder cattle up 215 to 167.62. Box beef was higher Friday. Choice up $3.14 to $344.77. Select up $2.19 to $318.60. Now let's take a look at our livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Time for a livestock market operator report from Seguin, Texas, there on the Guadalupe River. Cousin Brian Lentzman from Seguin Cattle Company. How did the sale go on Wednesday? Sale was good today, Larry. Uh, quality of the cattle was good. Packer cows all the way through the calves ended up with 861 head. Those two to three weight steers, dollar fifty-five to two twenty. Three to four weights, dollar sixty-seven to two thirty-five. Four to fives, dollar forty to two fourteen. Five to sixes, dollar forty to a dollar sixty-two. The six to sevens, dollar thirty-five to a dollar forty-eight. Seven to eight weight steers, dollar thirty-six to a dollar forty-five. Go to the heifer mates, the two to three weights, dollar forty-one to a dollar sixty. Sixty-nine, three to four weights, dollar thirty-eight to a dollar seventy-one. Four to five weights, dollar thirty-eight to two hundred two. The five to six weights, dollar thirty-six to one sixty. And the six seven hundred pound heifers, dollar twenty-six to a dollar forty-four. Those good packer cows, they brought up to eighty cents. And top end of the bulls brought ninety-nine. The pairs that I was talking about yesterday, they brought from eleven seventy-five to fourteen twenty-five. All was good in the cattle department today. How about sheep and goats? Those good nannies brought up. 
$260. Uh, those good kids were bringing $4 plus. You get to those Dorpers, the good Dorper U's brought up to $210, and the Lambs brought to $320. The market's good all the way around. More of the same next week? Now that it's kind of drying out and everybody's getting out of the hayfield and back to work, I kind of anticipate this for the rest of the year. Tell everybody how to contact you. You can give us a call at 830-379-9955, or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652. On today's Walking the Pens, we were with Brian Lensman from Seguin Cattle Company. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm your host, I'm Larry Marble. We saw aggressive gains in the lean hog markets on Friday that helped us bounce back a bit from the losses seen on Thursday. October lean hogs up $1.70 to $88.62. December lean hogs up $1.15 to $81.70. Class 3 milk futures held well for the end of the week. August class 3 milk down 2 cents to 16.01 a hundredweight. September class 3 milk was even at 17.11 a hundredweight. October cotton up 43 points to 93.90. December cotton up 34 points to 93.10. Outside market pressure caused a decline in the corn markets on Friday. The Texas corn harvest is underway, as is the second crop harvest in Brazil. That may have also put some additional pressure on those corn prices. September corn down 11 and a quarter Friday to 5.38 and three quarters. December corn down 13 and three quarters to 5.37. We also saw a decline in wheat. September wheat down 13 and a quarter to 7.14 and a quarter. December wheat down 14 and a half to 7.28 and a quarter. September soybeans were down 29 and a quarter Friday to 12.93 and three quarters. November soybeans down 29 and a quarter to 12.90 and three quarters. September natural gas was up a penny to 3.84. October natural gas up a penny to 3.85. September crude oil down a dollar 44 to 62.25. October crude oil down a dollar 44 to 62.06 a barrel. Let's look at our financial markets. The Dow was up 219 points to 35,113. The S&P 500 up 32 points to 4,438. The Nasdaq was up 155 points to 14,696. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.